0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Have Solutions, an AT Helpdesk podcast brought to you by Neil Squire, a podcast where we talk about assistive technology, disabilities, breaking down barriers to accessibility, and more. Today, we are joined once again by digital literacy and assistive technology trainer Erin LeBlanc. We discussed her experiences at the CSUN Assistive Technology Conference, the steps required to become accredited in AT her experiences with her own CSUN course, and much more. If you've ever thought about pursuing a degree or certificate in AT, then you won't want to miss this one. Thank you so much for joining up with me today. I feel like it was, uh, you know, it was, I was scrambling to find someone. So I'm glad, or rather you prevented me from scrambling to find someone because I knew that, uh, it was time that we had done a little bit of a wrap up of your uh Ooh. experience yeah. and um yeah and i've got a couple other things on the agenda that that we had talked about in a couple a couple things that i'm just going to bring up um so why don't you start by giving us the whole the whole pitch of what the whole process is like and and can you kind of wrap it up into how it involves your training and your your actual job title and all that like give us a real complete picture for people that might be interested
1: yeah so um i just completed a certificate program which is offered by the california state university at northridge and it is an assistive technology applications certificate program And what that program entails is really high level overview of various uh, disability community groups. So vision, hearing loss, learning disabilities, and also, you know, other considerations like aging population that may um, be utilizing assistive technology and then kind of hones in on the types of technology and assistive technology and assistive technology services that are available to those different populations. So it was a really interesting experience for me because I come from a pretty varied background. I started working with the intellectual disability community group I then moved into a role while I was primarily working with students that had learning disabilities and also mm. just gaps in their learning, like low right. literacy, low numeracy, not disability related, right. but from lack of opportunity within education, perhaps socioeconomic issues, age was a big factor. I had a lot of adult learners who, just because of the generation and the era, you know, it wasn't necessarily common practice to even complete high school right their role was to go out and to become employed right and I had a great experience working with uh, an organization that really focuses on the mobility disability community and then now with Neil Squire it's really broad range so it was so wonderful to have kind of that expertise in you know, the visual impairment um, community, the hearing impairment community, aging population, that's really, you know, a group that I've not had any direct service role with. So it was awesome. And what this certificate offers, is really an attestation of that underlying base level learning and exposure to, you know, the complexities of those different groups their unique characteristics, barriers that they're commonly facing, and then also common approaches to technology solutions. Mm. So, you know, it it gives a, a really good base level for folks to go out and start working as assistive technology practitioners and specialists and trainers and things like that. Right. And in my cohort, we had an enormous range of expertise. We had occupational therapists, we had speech language pathologists, we had folks who were already kind of experts in their field. You know, I had a great contact uh, with a gentleman out of Texas who is visually impaired himself and is a, a trainer on tools like JAWS and NBDA and Zoom Text for the visually impaired. But came to expand his horizons so that he could start to work with other disability groups. Right. We had educators, um, you know, classroom teachers. We had resource teachers. Um, we had folks from the IT world who, you know, were there representing Meta and other big, <laughs> you oh, know, well. big games to you know, work on that uh, inclusivity and that accessibility kind of framework within their big organization. So it was um, a super cool experience that way, because there was really a good variety of people involved.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a variety. I wasn't aware that Meta was there. Uh, or, or rather, I'll say I haven't heard anything about Meta's attempts to uh make their their product accessible not that they haven't I just haven't heard anything about it do you do you remember anything that they were saying or showing
1: so there was one gal who um participated in the program and then she stayed on for the affiliated conference that um was going on while I was in California so I'll back up the bus for two
2: weeks.
1: yeah So, this particular program um, has a a component of mandatory attendance when you participate during kind of the spring session to attend the California State University of Northridge Assistive Technology Conference, which happens in Anaheim, California. And it's a full week of assistive technology and accessibility sessions and training. And there's huge you know, football stadium size floors full of, you know, product developers and different companies kind of showing their wares and their newest age technology and all that kind of good stuff. So folks that I went to school with were there for that conference. And then also oh, cool. like a, a plethora of other, you know, general population and and tech people and learners and members of disability community groups were present as well. Mm. And so she and I sat in on quite a few sessions about making web pages accessible. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was neat because she was really, you know, taking notes frantically and, and captioning and asking all kinds of wonderful questions really based on what she knows to be, you know, kind of what does Facebook look like right now? What is that set up like? What is Instagram set up like? And and how can we make particular features more accessible? So Presenters who were speaking to, you know, ensuring that you have good alt text and good reading order She was just eating that up like candy to make sure that when she got kind of back to her home base um, That she was able to relay that information to people who are doing You know the design piece or the the coding piece or the creation piece on the back end, right? Yeah
0: So So then, so basically, it's a two-part sort of experience. That and how long are the sessions or the training part before the the actual event?
1: So the certificate program itself is a uh, hundred class hours, okay. and basically spans um, you know a university-length semester, so about right. kind of that four-month mark. Um, and there's asynchronous learning and synchronous learning that goes involved into that. So one, um, I'm going to say fun component of living and, and being part of the East Coast and mm. participating in training out of uh, the West Coast and out of California is the time difference. So yeah. I was finding myself online from like 10 p.m. until midnight once a week you know, with my late afternoon coffee trying to hold me through <laughs> to participate in some of, you know, the class discussions and presentations, which were which were great. Yeah. And then also a massive, you know, kind of investment of, of personal time into reading and participation in group discussion and assignments that, that were related to the different topics. And it was really broken up quite well into segments of one or two or three weeks depending on the topic at hand whether that was a specific disability group community or a specific type of software or a specific at service so you know discussions and information and readings were hyper focused for short amounts of time and then we would kind of move on through um the rest of the the syllabus so to speak but it was really well structured and i really enjoyed The flow of the course, it was really well laid out. Um, I think anyone who is working in a role where they think, wow, this is something that I would really like to learn more about. This is really something that I want to take on. It was very accessible. Um, And I use that term loosely, you know, and also it was accessible. Right. I had had folks in my class that had, um, you know, really interesting needs in terms of their Uh, ability to participate in kind of an online learning environment and they were all met um, you know 10 out of 10 but also accessible in the sense that you don't need to have you know like a master's in in education or you don't have to have you know like an SLP or OT credentialing Mm -hmm. to participate in this I think anyone who has a desire to learn about AT has a desire to work in you know, a service role or a community role or training role with a disability community group could really participate in this and, and have a wonderful experience without feeling, um, you know, unprepared or overwhelmed with the content. It was really well done that way as well.
0: Right, so, which is good because, you know, we, we all know that, for example, teachers, you know, mm-hmm. are, are, are often busy other than the approaching summer where they're they're <laughs> laughing. Uh, But during the school year, teachers are extremely busy. uh, And so, you know, I'm sure probably that's partially why they've designed it for that. So that, you know, professionals that are currently working can continue to work and do the training at their own pace. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I continue to work um, full time and and have lots of personal kind of family commitments and things like that. And I still found it was manageable. I mean, you do have to plan accordingly to make sure you carve out time to be active in online discussion and right. get readings done and all that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I definitely uh, brought along some reading to a few dance classes mm-hmm. and things like that to to make sure it got all done. But, um, you know, for me, it was manageable as kind of an additional layer of my full-time commitments. So,
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, it, I mean, that's a good, that's a good pitch for it. And it makes me think, you know, um, you know, I mentioned teachers, you know, teachers, EAs, People, people in the district. Imagine if, you know, every school in New Brunswick had one EA or teacher that had attended, uh, CSUN and had done that course. How much, how much better equipped everyone would be.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And this is not a certification you know, it's a certificate program. So
2: right.
1: it's kind of a, you know, a building block to really right. becoming like an assistive technology professional, which is like an, an accreditation that you can right. attain. Um, and I'm not sure if we maybe want to go down that road uh, for a moment. But, yeah. You know, lots of people like myself who don't have um like the ATP assistive technology, professional, um, you know, conglomeration of letters at their end of their name right. are doing training on digital literacy, doing training on various assistive technologies, maybe doing some informal assessments, some formal assessments, some informal and formal recommendations. Right. Because of knowledge and experience and expertise just acquired through the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm and we are working in an era where that is still okay and you know individuals like myself and others at Neal Squire are recognized as having that experience and expertise to be able to provide an assistive technology assessment and affiliated recommendations that can be utilized to access funding mechanisms whether that's through district when we think about public education whether that's through you know Canada student loan program and Canada study grant at a post secondary level
2: mm-hmm.
1: whether that's through Easter seals Jordan's principal department of social development and their kind of supports and services for tools you know we we have that that recognition which is which is beautiful and our organization's been around you know a long time um to get that level of recognition and that reputation right but there is a movement and I learned quite a bit about this mostly because a lot of my um you know co-learners were from the United States is that there's a push to have that credentialing piece become just as important as a medical doctor filling out Um, you know a medical report or something Mm -hmm. like that or that you need to be a psychologist to be able to do formal recommendations for learning you know accommodations or supports right and there is um, a society and it's called um, the Rehabilitation Engineering and Assistive Technology Society of North America okay mouthful and a half but the Mm -hmm. average is (laughs) is RESNA
0: Oh, yes, of course.
1: Yeah, Resna. So they actually offer um, a credentialing system and formal examination level to acquire, you know, the ATP, Assistive Technology Professional um, designation. And Neil Squire does have ATP staff um, Mm -hmm. across Canada. And it's becoming more and more looked for, certainly out of the United States, when folks are applying for funding to have tools for students in schools or tools for an employee in an employment environment. So I believe that movement is coming as rules become a little bit more stringent about who's making these recommendations and, you know, really what professional... I keep using the word accreditation but you know like what yeah. tells me as the reader of this assessment that they know what they're talking about and their due diligence etc and all that process that goes into any formal credentialing right designation right. um but Resna offers a variety of courses and programs to prep to kind of challenge or write their exam, but they have really stringent requirements as well for eligibility, you know, minimum hours worked within assistive technology environments, um, education requirements. So whether Mm. that's bachelor's degree or master's degree, depending on the area of expertise. So if you've come out of like a kin science went into OT, your minimum requirements would look different than someone who maybe has a College educational assistant plus ten years of experience working with children with disabilities. Right, interesting actually. Right. Yeah. So that would be maybe a more formal path to getting a designation or credential, which CSUN doesn't offer. It's a certificate program, not a certification.
0: Uh, Okay, that's thank you for that distinction because I, you know, I was aware of Resna, uh, but I didn't quite. You know, I kind of in my mind put them on the same level as Csun in terms of what they offer, but that's fascinating. I feel like just knowing that and you know discussing it, it kind of reveals the fact that maybe there there needs to be a little more consistency and agreement upon what the accredited accreditation is, what the steps are to get that. You know what I mean? Like that there's Csun, there's Resna maybe they kind of need to, they all need to get together and uh, agree on a on a, a certificate uh, process, you know, I, I don't know.
1: Well, the CSUN certificate mm-hmm. with work hours makes you eligible to write the RESNA ATP exam.
0: Okay, good to know. So,
1: yeah, so that is one
0: uh. you know, kind of
1: possible path to eligibility. And within Canada, there's others, you know, um, Cambrian College out of um, right. Ontario offers quite a few kind of learning disability and assistive technology specialization, um, again, certificates. Yep. Yep. So they're not a certification, they're a post-secondary certificate. Um, and there's others that exist as well. So CSUN is, is certainly not the only yeah. path to get there. Um but for me, it was a great one. Um, and depending on what your role is going to be, right? Like if you are really specializing on supporting students that have learning disabilities, perhaps Cambrian is the best avenue for you because it is learning disability focused. Okay. technologies. So I would say they have their pros and cons if you need that high level good foundation and then you're going to go down your own road of expertise CSUN would even maybe be step one and then can yeah. be more learning disability specific mm-hmm. but that's just based on my personal experience with going down both roads
0: so yeah well uh, and that makes a lot of sense and that I like that you've outlined sort of what that process could look like to become you know an AT expert and I think I would agree um Certainly, when I see uh, videos and photos of the Sea Sun uh, event itself, uh, I see a lot of emphasis on visual impairment and physical impairment. Can you can you maybe talk a bit about like what you saw and and what uh, you know how much of one thing you were seeing? Because it seems like another thing too is I noticed with Sea Sun. It seems like there's a lot of emphasis on the real cutting edge high tech, which is super interesting and people love to see it and talk about it and touch it, but it's not always affordable. And how did you find that balance?
1: So I guess jumping back to the the second component of CSUN is this annual enormous conference that kind of takes over Anaheim (laughs) Hmm. and It definitely has a very large focus on, um, you know, the visually impaired community. And I don't know, it possibly is like a bit of a chicken and egg situation, right? There was a lot, a lot of participants that were there using white canes, you know, I was... Uh... Hearing all the voiceover, lots of beautiful guide dogs I wanted to adopt, Uh, you know, Um, and lots of folks there serving as human guides and lots of really interesting stuff that was being done, like preloaded GPS guidance that anyone could kind of um, barcode scan and have in their phone to just navigate the hotel. Like it was super, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. and then the other side of that is that so many of the sessions and vendors and companies were there to, and I keep saying, you know, show their wares, but really, right. you know, spread their stuff and show their tech mm-hmm. for that community group. But I don't have enough history to know if because CSUN was inviting that type of audience and speakers that the community followed right, or that the community had a lot of involvement mm-hmm. so that the vendors and speakers and tech companies came because of that you know right. participation from that community um not to say that there wasn't other stuff there but yeah. certainly that was um you know the focus of the information that was being shared from various presenters and also the type of of at tools and you know all the way from low tech kind of new age braille books that were really fun and manipulative and Lego was there with their Lego braille blocks, which are actually a distinct line of Lego that are the, because a Lego block is the same amount of dots as a braille cell. Oh. Yes, so they actually have a whole line of Legos, which are the braille alphabet um, for little students. Because mm-hmm. they're more like tactily available. Exactly. And reading Braille on paper to teach, paper, excuse me, to teach Braille um, and to have, you know, more engaging kind of manipulative activities with um, these Braille blocks. And I said it on a session actually where the presenter had made all of these really nice kind of Granny Smith apple looking. Lego structure, yeah. I guess, out of Legos, and then the idea was to, you know, participate as a blind user, so she had headbands oh, cool. and all that good stuff. And then you take apart the apple and try to find the seeds, which were a different braille block, um, ah. yeah. So <laughs> it was fun, it was really cool. Um, but I saw some really neat stuff, and I'm hesitant to be like Sony rocked my world but Uh it was pretty cool Mm
2: -hmm. um
1: they've come out with a digital camera that actually when you are looking through the viewfinder and I'm gonna I really am going to try to say this correctly but the light passes through the retina and goes directly into the eye so folks into the cornea so folks that have things like macular degeneration and cataracts can see because that whole level is just taken away it passes through that layer of the eye wow it goes into the internal layer of the eye and i Anyone who is like an an ophthalmologist or optometrist out there being like, this is not <laughs> to do those things. And I, and I really perhaps should have looked up the, the specific technology before I started bragging about it. But there were individuals there who were like so emotional being able were
0: to they... this
1: piece of equipment. Uh,
0: so
1: that and I just got chills again thinking about it. Like wow. that is so freaking cool. To me, that is why technology people do what they do right to just yes. totally bust the barrier out of the water and you know give people back their sight legit yeah. so that was really really cool
0: and i and i looked it up as you were talking so uh it's if anyone's interested it's the sony dc oh, wait the sony dsc hx 99 rnv Mm. Uh, the very, very aptly and uh, concisely named device. But yeah, like you, it, you, you nailed it. It's uh it's a viewfinder that projects uh, it has a viewfinder that projects the digital image directly onto the retina of the user. So that's really fascinating because you're absolutely right with certain, and of course, certain visual disabilities, it's going to help certain ones it's not, but for those that have uh, those retinal issues, uh, I couldn't imagine what that would be like to be there to experience them experiencing that.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was really, really neat. It was really cool. Uh, Um, Yeah. I was just going
0: to say, do we know, um, again, I'm looking at some, some pictures here. Do we know about the, the retail of this? Is this like, I guess it's probably still in the testing phase. I don't think it's, Available for purchase quite yet. I'm not sure. Um, I'm gonna double check.
1: I actually I honestly don't know, Seaver, the yeah. answer to that question. I haven't taken the time to look it up anywhere to see if it's available for purchase. However, I have a sneaky suspicion that if you were um, you know, whether it's a service group or a rehab center or something like that, that you could hit Sony up. and and maybe talk to them about that. I actually sat in on a session by Sony that Mm -hmm. really spoke to their efforts on making their digital products accessible. And it spoke to home security, digital cameras, Mm. um, you know, really interesting technology for um, the hearing impaired community, like the sound technology that's coming into hearing aids and the different connectivity options for hearing aids for like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So people have direct connection to all kinds of interesting stuff. Yes. And I know they're a, a big name and if anyone has, you know, some shade to throw on them, you know, go right ahead. But from what I saw, I think they're actually putting, you know, a pretty splendid effort into the considerations.
0: For, oh, they are.
1: You know the the different disability communities. So I know sometimes the big names yeah. kind of get a a bad name, so to speak. But it was no. a really neat session, and, and certainly the tech that I mm. saw from them was really cool. So
0: yeah, no, Sony's excellent. Um, and Nakia talks. Mm all the time about um because he, like he's a gamer and okay. he's a gamer with barely any vision right and right. so he really requires a lot of uh those those aids and he can't say enough good things about what sony's done especially within the playstation universe in terms of providing accessibility it like it's next level it like there's no one that's that's coming close uh in that regard right now but just in general how how awesome is it to hear and i and you know i've been in it i've been in this this world for maybe a couple years longer than you and i remember what it was like in those, we'll say the earlier days, you know, five, six years ago, the only people that were really paying attention to accessibility was Apple, like Mm. in terms of the mainstream companies. And then all of a sudden, Google, Microsoft, Sony, all of these big names have started to realize you know there's a market for this there's a need for this and it's been pretty wild seeing that what because of course when you're a big name like sony what do you have a lot of money so you can afford to develop interesting tech Mm -hmm. uh so i think you know there's a lot going on there and then and you know you you talked about meta and maybe that's the this is the point where let's turn it back around to that because i was curious um First of all, have you, have you been into the, in the meta universe yourself? Have you? <laughs> as a
1: user?
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> as a virtual, in the virtual universe?
1: Uh, Yep.
0: Oh, okay. You have. Oh, cool. So yeah. uh, uh, what, like, I wonder what kind of things they could, they could offer. Do you remember anything from what meta was, was talking about on offer or just kind of, were they generally just trying to make it inclusive for everyone to use it?
1: Um, so there were some, and like I said, this particular, um, person who happened to be in my class, I feel like I really got to like push her buttons quite a bit oh, and ask cool. some stuff. So my reflections on what they're doing are really based on, you know, conversations that I've had with her. So I'm not going to put anyone's hopes up to be like, this is coming, but right. you know, technology back can provide really good auto-generated alt text, no matter who mm. is uploading the picture. So, right. I share a photo of, you know, myself eating pizza or whatever the case may be. And as a maybe non-informed user or whatever, I don't put a good description or I don't put a description at all. Mm. So someone who is using voiceover software to maybe scroll their Facebook feed, just gets something like, you know, Aaron uploaded a picture. Right. It's like, great. And so the auto-generated alt text would provide a user of voiceover software to listen to Aaron uploaded a picture, picture of Aaron eating pepperoni pizza Mm. at whatever location.
2: Right. Um,
1: So taking the requirement off the community of users to take the time to put in alt text to make you know, yeah. things like the Facebook feed more accessible. So the technology would do that for them. And there is kind of a lot of free i am gonna say auto-generated yep. alt text for images that exist. Some of it is good, some yeah. of it not it so varies. It. Yeah, That's it, a it, great it,
0: example. That's a what a great example because it's something that an able-bodied person might not even ever think about. Uh yep. a person with all their, you know, uh, and then and then to save all of those hours of time of people writing alt text, and mm-hmm. it's it's a probably I would imagine, and uh, well, I know for sure they're using AI to mm-hmm. capture that. What an amazing use of AI mm-hmm. to get those uh, those captions, and and I mean it'll. It'll improve. That's the thing about AI too. Is the more it's used, the more it's improved, right? So yes. I'm and sure that technology.
1: You log in somewhere, and it says, "Please identify, you know, yeah. which things are a stop sign, or please identify which yes. things, are... Or whatever." You're helping to make those AI smarter, so they can distinguish a t-shirt <laughs>
0: with
1: Lebroni pizza on it from a real piece of pizza, right? So well,
0: hopefully, that means I won't have to do those captions anymore. If that's what that means, <laughs> I'm okay with it.
1: Uh, are all contributors yeah to the oh yeah. god
0: so so <laughs> that's cool that's it that is a good example uh and and i saw too um uh something that'll hopefully come into play for other users as well that they're they're doing some work on um the movement and and doing things so that you know someone who is in a wheelchair and wants to exist in the metaverse mm. as an able-bodied person like they can and their movement and so that there's some kind of interesting concepts going going along there and then it makes you think you know somewhere down the road uh is that going to be a thing that's you know done more where uh people hop into an ai universe where they are full-bodied all of a sudden and they get to experience you know movement in a virtual way but in a in a way that they haven't been able to experience for a while or ever
1: yeah and i i don't want to go like super down a, a right. futuristic rabbit hole but mm-hmm. there's mobility technology like in the robotics world yeah coupled with virtual reality where you, if you have a um, the ability to kind of create the persona that you want within a virtual environment. So let's say I'm an individual who uses the mobility aid of a manual wheelchair and I go into a virtual reality environment and I want to walk around, right. which is something that I wouldn't typically be able to do or be able to do. Um with virtual reality to simulate my environment and robotics mobility aids to manipulate my limbs folks can have real experiences like that Mm -hmm. so there is neat stuff coming i sat in actually on a session it was a group of university students who were working on just that actually they were having focus groups and things like that with different members of minority groups and it was large right they were bringing in um linguistic minorities and visual minorities of a variety and you know physical Mm -hmm. um what's the word I'm looking for (laughs) just all different minority groups I'm gonna say and um one of the members that spoke was a member member of the visually impaired community and Mm -hmm. so it was so neat to have um, kind of the interpretation of a non-sighted person being involved in the design of a virtual area. Like, is colour important? Is it not important? Is, you know, touch, feel, smell? How do we incorporate that? Um, And other kind of factors that maybe someone who has their vision would not even consider as important in creating like a virtual environment, whereas someone that doesn't have their sight how did they really experience a virtual reality? So that
0: was cool. Yeah, that's, and that's a great question. And that's something that's really important. Um, And it's surprising uh, to give an example of, of that happening. I have a good friend of mine that works in the disability community in Nova Scotia. And uh, what she does is she does accessibility consulting with her partner who um, is physically disabled and what they found is that people are designing these spaces and doors and facilities for people that are um that are disabled and they're not getting the consultation of the actual disability community they're they're doing what they think should be enough but you if you are not in a wheelchair if you haven't spent time in a wheelchair for example uh you you can't appreciate certain subtleties of what it's like to move around the world and you absolutely need that buy-in and that uh consultation with those communities
1: i think it's very dangerous when folks and i'm going to generalize that mm. pretend, pretend to know right or- Or believe they know right because it's so exclusionary and it Mm. really speaks to that i you know i don't i find it very unsettling like you know there's a lot of movements now you know kind of nothing about us without us right from disability community groups who are are really speaking up to say, like, you can't Mm -hmm. make decisions about my reality if you don't know my reality. Right. From anything from social assistance programs to new building codes that come out and and everything in between. Exactly. Don't, don't pretend to know what the answer is when you haven't really taken the time to find out what the answer is from people who do know and who do live that experience
0: oh exactly like the building codes that's exactly what i what i was getting at i mean this friend of mine she told me you know she was consulting on this on this building where you know the engineers um had designed the bathrooms a certain way that you know they thought it was accessible when they tested it and her colleague with an actual wheelchair tried to use the bathroom facilities they were inadequate so like, it's absolutely insane to even if you know, you're an engineer, and you it just you just need a little bit more buy-in, a little bit more cooperation, I think, uh, and consultation with that community. So that's good that they were, they were kind of trying to make that happen within their session.
1: Yeah, and I am seeing that from more and more big names. Yeah. If you research like they have whole teams of Minority groups dedicated to making sure that minority groups are are represented. So
0: right, yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of all the all of the shifts in the accessibility world. They're all pretty positive. Things are getting better and mm-hmm. uh, more accessible. I think for sure. Um, and so what other? So you mentioned Resna. Um, yeah. had you had you been to ATIA?
1: I personally have not. Um, And ATIA, for those who are maybe not familiar, Mm. is the Assistive Technology Industry Association. Right. Um, And you can become a member of that association to get, you know, regular information about interesting things happening in the AT world and trainings and, and webinars and all kinds of stuff that's going on. Um, however, they also put on a big Palooza in uh, Florida annually where, right. like CSUN, um, is training sessions and learning opportunities and vendor showcases mm. with everything to do with AT. Right. I've personally been there, but I I hear, uh, mm. and from what I have seen kind of coming up, and even in this past year, they offered a lot of virtual opportunities for people that couldn't maybe physically get to Florida to participate oh, yeah it was lovely um CSUN does that as well uh by the way um mm. for a certainly a lesser fee than participating in person right and it's more a uh, learning disabilities focused okay. An education focus i would say
0: ah.
1: maybe less so than learning disabilities but the k-12 to learning environments are their big big focus so really? um yeah which is neat um yeah. and we had quite a few representatives from neil squire go uh, yes just in this past january down to atia and some neat stuff um happening a lot of the culture of AT within the school system—you know, destigmatization, universal design, the promotion of built-in um, AT, which you and I have kind of spoke yeah. about—how mainstream tech is also AT in a lot of ways for right. a lot of people. Um, uh, so yeah, so a lot one. of big
0: concepts, a lot of big education. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah education being the focus for sure
0: and and that doesn't offer a certification or certificate it's just a conference to attend correct
1: just a conference to attend yeah. although you can become a member of the association right there's no credentialing affiliated with that and i'm not going to say anybody cuz i don't <laughs> i don't have the actual requirements of becoming right. a member in front of me but um i'm fairly certain that just about anyone could you know, become a member if they're involved in some way with you know supporting learners or in the AT world or wanting to get into that AT world and just want to be on kind of that newsletter e bulletin kind of updates about what's happening and what's going on within the AT world.
0: Oh, ah, gotcha. So, so you might consider that like another stepping stone along with CSUN that you know you you do CSUN, you do ATIA, and then you know, then you're probably pretty ready for the RESNA certification or do you see it that way?
1: I see ATIA as a component of being an AT specialist or practitioner because Mm. one of the key markers of being good at what we do is staying up to snuff and in the know on what is coming out what is working who's developing this where is it available where can I learn about this where's training going on you know it's that continuous engagement I mean tech changes every second yeah and if you're going to be training on AT or hope to be writing, a, you know, recommendations of value, you really need to be aware of of what's out there that could be helping the person that you're working with. So ATIA, I think, is just a part of, you know, being involved and, and making sure that as a practitioner, you're continuously working on yourself to make sure that you stay in the know and mm-hmm. kind of stay at the top of your game. right. DCSAN, I would say, is, is really ground level, you know. Mm. In I the field. It. In the field. Get yeah. your exposure, get your knowledge, get your nuts and bolts in order, and have a good general base. And then RESNA offers very specific training programs because their exam includes a lot. It includes, you know, adaptive equipment and attachments for wheelchairs. It includes... Mm um knowledge of environments and spaces when you think about ergonomics it includes the hearing impaired community visually impaired it's like it's a mm. it's a big honking exam right. um, that you really need to know a lot about um the various groups that are accessing at to get there and rightly so right if you're mm-hmm. gonna have this credentialing um you know you need to be able to to show your medal, so to speak so I would say ATIE is, is part of, of being an AT specialist, right. um, you know, and staying fresh CSUN and other programs like, you know, we mentioned Cambrian college, mm-hmm. or, you know, that, that learning disability specialist or assistive technology specialist that they offer wonderful training programs as well. And there's other out, there's others out there just because we're talking about those two. Today. Yes. Um, don't feel as though you're limited to that. And if you are working with a very specific community, you know, if you're working for, um, you know, CNI, CNIB, excuse me, Canadian National Institute for the Blind or Vision Loss Rehabilitation, you probably want to be exploring training that's specific to, you know, Braille tools and accessibility online and you know, navigation and, and things like that with white cane or guidance right. or, you know, there's a lot of, of really specialized training that exists out there for specific groups. If you're working with aging population, you know, that might be another thing you want to consider. So there's, I know I'm all like half wanting to do a search right now for uh, maybe some of the good ones that I could name specifically because I don't want to be um to like exclusionary yeah. but there's a lot of really good um specialized training out there that would help to prepare for like the resna certification for example
0: yeah and i and i tried while you were talking i tried to go ahead and uh and look i know a couple that i of names that I, I know tufts university mm-hmm. does one um and uh chicago is it Chicago university? Um, they do one as well. Uh, university of Illinois at Chicago, but like, yeah, there are some, there's not a lot. It's there. It's a very small community of, of training. It's, it's, you know, and I feel like, uh, probably anyone that goes through those certificates, you know, it's probably a smaller world than we realize. Um, yeah,
1: it's, you, that's true, Zebra. I shouldn't say like every single post-secondary institution is offering something in this because that's certainly not the reality. But there's a lot of smaller organizations. And I'm going to speak again to mm. um, my friends out of Texas just because I had a, a chance to really yeah. collaborate with them. But East Texas Lighthouse is um, an organization and a school for the blind, Okay, and they offer training programs in JAWS and NVDA mm-hmm. and Zoom text and Taptillo and other um, tools and tech for the visually impaired, but their programs are, you know, work in collaboration to kind of building up that foundation to what do you really need to challenge resident? And that's going to look differently for everybody. Right. If you've come out of a, an occupational therapy degree, mm-hmm you don't need to take the time to do, you know, an ergonomics specific additional training. If right. you've come out of a speech language therapy kind of program, you don't need to go and study pro loco to go and all these other texts for speech and, right. and that or speller's method. Um, if you're someone like myself, who the background is, is learning disabilities more so you know, probably I wouldn't explore Cambrian if I hadn't already for mm. that training. So what you need to prepare for RESNA, I think, is really going to depend on your experience
2: uh-huh. that you have yeah.
1: and the knowledge base that you have and what kind of complements you need to bring into that to be more well-rounded to yeah. that assistive technology Um professional
0: designation. and and that's a good way to think about it right because it's like you think about okay here's what I'm good at almost like utilizing the set framework (laughs) Uh, here's my strengths uh, and now here's my you know challenges here's what I don't know let's fill the gaps and and trying to find what program is the best suited to fill those gaps so that's good that there's those specific uh, trainings and certifications that that you can pursue to fill those specific gaps, right? Because there's kind of, you know, there's the learning disabilities world, there's the visual impairment and deaf community, you know, often is kind of uh, lumped together. There's the learning disabilities community, uh, there's physical disabilities community. Um, and, you know, those are just the main categories, but the knowledge and the technology involved is mm. so different, but yet- What's the same? I, I think the interesting thing is, you know, the kind of concepts you learn at ATIA uh, would probably be fairly, like, to get that background, to get the concepts, the universal design, I think no matter what your uh, background is and what your strengths in, like, if you, are, if you are a certified OT, and certainly there's a lot more programs to become an OT, that's a, you know, that's a great... Uh, training and you're going to be very knowledgeable in that sense but do they in that training address the things that might be addressed in ATIA where you realize the reality of applying that in the school Hmm. so I think that's a that's a good gap to to fill because I'm guessing your typical OT training you know at Eastern College for example I don't. I, w- I. don't think they probably get too deep into the politics of the school system because. I mean, how could they? It's going to change every time. To- every time there's a new graduating class.
1: Uh, for sure, and also your area of specialization, right? if you're working with young children at like mm. a rehab center, like Stan Cassidy, right? or you're working in a senior's care facility, or mm-hmm. you're working in a hospital environment with, you know, um, motor vehicle accident individuals. I mean, you're going to ha- hone your expertise based on your experience. And I think that's true of any field, right. Even as exactly. an educator, are you, um, you know, teaching K to three, are you teaching middle school? Are you teaching high school? Totally. You know, it's,
0: it's a totally different experience, you're right. Yeah. Uh and where apps, you know, apps and technology, you know, of course is so individualized or or we try to make it sell. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um anything anything that surprised you when you were there that you weren't expecting to see uh or that you were hoping to see but didn't or anything else?
1: Yeah, I will Take some time because um, you had kind of asked me, you know, like think back about maybe some, you know, ultra neat or new things mm-hmm. that yep. I had the opportunity to see. And one was a piece of technology that's come out of Raising the Floor, and they're a nonprofit organization out of the States and they develop really cool stuff. And they have a screen overlay called Morphic.
0: Okay.
1: And it has all of your accessibility tools on your desktop. Magnifier, text size, snip tool, and read select. Oh. So the I'm going to say the big ones. <laughs> um, but it works on top of anything. So even if you are sharing a device, for example, and you need certain customized accessibility features, like, you know, um, the magnifier or, you know, your read speak select or read select or read aloud turned on, and you're sharing a device with someone else that doesn't need that, and so it's cumbersome because they're turning it off and you're turning it on or it's turning on or off when you don't need it. Morphic has that quick access bar that you can just use the mm. magnifying glass to zoom, or you can use the read select on top of any web page within any program. Um, and it was really smart and so easy that it just was like, wow! And it's free. Who doesn't love free? No way. Yeah. Um, so that was something that I left being like, this is super. <laughs> like anybody could could use this, and it was really i don't want to say like rudimentary looking Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: they didn't get all caught up in the pretty bells and whistles and la 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 but it works great and it does what it's supposed to do and it's right there at your fingertips so like the user friendliness of it was just awesome um and of course because it's coming out of non-for-profit and you know they're kind of like fundraising as well like it was also a really wholesome feel to it so i'm gonna put it out there for morphic yeah. check it out um that was a really really interesting one
0: oh i like and that I- and sorry to stop you but yeah hey i definitely want to cover that further and b just to go into it because i'm i'm excited about this morphic bar um <laughs> Okay, so you can basically you can set it up so that you can resize it and it can contain either a small number of large buttons or a large number of small buttons. And basically, like I feel like the best way to describe it or the way that I'm trying to describe it to myself to make sense is have you ever been on your PC and you just said, I wish I could just uh, press one button one single button to go into night mode instead of going into my settings mm-hmm. doing this doing this and so the uh custom ability that uh, morphic allows users that is really cool and and again back to what we've talked about last time i think uh users that don't have any disabilities would absolutely love this uh, users with uh you know physical disabilities with visual impairments so it really there's a real universal need for uh, an app like that
1: yeah and it's like i said it's very light it's very you know it's mm-hmm. coded lightly so it's not um something that's gonna like bog down your computer oh or it's
0: not gonna take a lot of ram good point yeah, yeah.
1: Um, which is super, and also um, I had a chat with the executive director, and I wish I had his name in front of me. I feel so terrible, but he was super duper. I would call him like the OG of nonprofit ATD. <laughs> he was a really nice man to speak cool. with, and I kind of, you know, gave him a couple of like pop quizzes about some people that I'm supporting. He was like, "Oh, just email me. We'll make a button for that."
2: Oh wow. So,
1: Yeah, um, so that's the nice thing about that kind of non-for-profit building ground up and and raising the floor as, you know, an organization. I I think everyone should look into, like they're doing some cool stuff, but it has that ability. You know, it's not a big tech corporation that there's layers and layers of barriers and blah, blah, blah. So if you download this or if you check it out and you're like, oh, if it had this button, that would be super I would highly encourage anyone to reach out to them and they'll probably make you a custom morphic bar. So oh,
0: that's a that's a pretty good offer.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm I'm definitely going to uh to do a little little overview of that. And also I'm gonna have to uh, share that with uh, Nikia who's who's partially cited and uh I bet I bet he'll have some things to say, say about that. I bet he'd enjoy that.
1: I see an AT help desk e newsletter coming out about
0: this. Yeah, no, exactly for sure. So so that was, and that's really cool. And what a that's a great example because of all the things we've sort of skirted around. I asked you what the most interesting thing you saw is, and you didn't choose a three thousand dollar, you know, visual impairment aid, you chose a free device yeah. that anyone can download, and it's universally designed. So I mean it goes to show you that uh you know the the real cutting edge expensive fancy stuff you know it it's not everything it's you know there's 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 solutions that exist that are free or close to free I mean obviously they got funding from someone but that's a beautiful thing
1: yeah um I like that you made that point like I did see some pretty flashy jazzy Mm -hmm. stuff not gonna lie I mean and the moment with the sony camera like
2: yeah
1: i will hold on to that memory i think forever like it was really really cool um but sitting in on this morphic demo and i think the more you work with a variety of different people the more you seek out those tools that have so many different applications that right aren't really constricted by any barriers if it's right. free download and downloadable for anyone and doesn't take up a lot of memory and is easy yeah it's something that you can really quickly think like oh this would be helpful for timmy susie johnny dave sally etc cetera, etc cetera. so yes. I use those tools because i meet with so many different people so the really, really specialized stuff is is great. Don't get me wrong. And when you find that kind of diamond in the rough moment where you're like, oh, this is right. going to be perfect. But something like Morphic
0: could
1: mm-hmm. be for so many people. So it's a, a big helper in a lot of ways.
0: Right. Because the reality the situation is we're coming at you live from New Brunswick. And, you know, (laughs) we're not the richest province in Canada, we don't have the most funding for this stuff. Uh, So, you know, we can't always afford to be cutting edge. Uh, That's the simple truth. And, you know, people can't always afford to drop 1000s of dollars on a piece of technology, which is why I'm going to pitch to you right now, are what I think we should do for an event. Are you ready for this?
1: Okay. i
0: I think neil squire should do a event similar to csun but we only feature free or built-in technology and so the focus we get to demo and and preview and see all these things but we do it with only free or or built-in technology i you know might need to workshop the parameters of that a little bit but it would be like only things that are built into your apple or microsoft device or your you know chrome browser or you can download them for free and and i think we mm -hmm. could
1: fill a weekend like i'm having a running list right now and i think people, yeah i think don't even really recognize or realize that there's so much great stuff out there without spending a boatload of money. Yeah. That's a neat idea. Siever I'm in.
0: Okay. We've got two so far. <laughs> we're, we're doing well. Yeah, no, I just think, I think it would be fun to highlight uh, all of that stuff and mm-hmm. let's face it, it would be easier to get our hands on free apps to demo than, <laughs> Than uh, expensive technology, right? And and I feel like you know it, it it's good for for New Brunswick. Uh, we know that you know from dealing with teachers uh, here in this province that you know it's. Oh, and I I don't think I even need to specify the province. I think generally it's always going to be easier to have free apps be recommended, uh, because they're free. They cost. There's no investment other than your time. Uh, so you know maybe having a little movement where we really emphasize that and that be our little stake in the uh, in the accessibility community when it comes to putting on shows. And then all of a sudden, you know, Neil Squire in New Brunswick is known worldwide for being the uh, the number one free technology demonstration. uh, I don't know.
1: I'm sure you'll come up with something very eloquent to put all
0: of that together <laughs> yeah yeah the the title the title needs a little work I we need to. to polish up the edges on that a little <laughs> bit but I just thought I just think it'd be cool and and I myself uh, actually as you were talking in my brain I'm thinking you know what I think I think I've got to make this happen I think I've got to do the thing go to Sun myself. And, uh, and go through the training and do all that. Now that I'm hopefully going to be a little more settled, uh, you know, have my house all sorted and all that stuff uh, for the, because what's the time, like the, the um, event itself is in the spring.
1: It's in March.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's in March. Oh, wow. They really, they really knew what they were doing having a uh, in-person event in March in Anaheim. What what Canadian is not gonna wanna do that?
1: Right. So um one of our colleagues, I'm gonna shout out to Todd, is yeah. doing the program right now. Oh, so okay. if you participate in the spring cohort, so that right. January till April, yeah. there's a mandatory participation at the conference. Right. Okay. And you have days of class as pre-conference days. Oh, okay other times of the year it's online only okay and there's no um mandatory requirement to attend csun gotcha. you can still go to csun but it's not part of completing the certificate program
0: okay so there's two approaches one that requires attendance one that doesn't
1: correct so okay. depending on You know financial yeah of course if you have employer support or not if you know you may not be able to um attend the conference in person for whatever reason right know that you can take that csun certificate program at other times of the year without needing to uh physically be in anaheim for the conference
0: okay okay great uh yeah, no well, no, that's good. So so no matter what season you you do it, you'll you know you've got the opportunity to go. But I think you would I'm guessing you would probably recommend that they make the attempt to be there in person, right?
1: Highly, because it yeah. happens also kind of near the end of the training.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly.
1: That's a brilliant way to kind of take all the learning that you've done thus far. Mm-hmm. Go there, be immersed in it, and then you also have all this really juicy new stuff to kind of put into your final projects and everything. Right. So, yeah, I thought it was it was great for me to have that um, as well. Sever, I'm going to add a layer to your um, event that oh, Neil Squire should put on, okay. and I I just want to share this because I think it's so important and so significant that yeah. Neil Squire um, recently actually gave a training. Okay. So Neil Squire's solutions team was invited to offer assistive technology training to a group of individuals who are going into the public education system. Yes. And they are going to be specialized resource teachers. They're going to be resource support for assessment and intervention. So these individuals are going to be Doing assessments, making recommendations for tech, for interventions, for accommodations, you know, really working with students and their individualized learning plans, working a lot with um, coordinated services, so physio, OT, speech, going to be very involved, you know, with students that require accommodations and support. Yeah. And Neil Squire was asked to come in and provide the specialized training on assistive technology. So one, I think it's so great for people to know that Neil Squire has the ability to do that, to offer that professional development, to provide that training, to provide that information, to um, anyone I think who really wants to have a good learning opportunity to become more empowered and aware of, of tech solutions. Yeah. Um, but I I'm seeing kind of like a, 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 a collaboration conglomeration, an amalgamation that's mm-hmm. one, an amalgamation. Uh. Um, Where if interested people you know participated in a training like that, then there could be that demo expo piece following a mini Sun
0: Exactly.
1: So you get the goods, you get the information, you get the knowledge, and then you have a chance to participate in, you know, showcases. Uh, what is that technology with the focus on the free and accessible? I think that's beautiful.
0: Absolutely. Uh, that's a great point because I even had written down, uh to potentially mention our training and yeah i mean honestly i would say the way that we modeled that training is we kind of we tried to kind of condense and and do what a csun uh does in that we go theoretical talk about some theory talk about some concepts and then we get practical and hands-on and i think that's super important Having that both of those components in there. So yeah, if you're listening and uh, any of this sounds interesting, definitely uh, send us a message, you know, through our AT help desk through through Tracy through anyone, and we'll we'll get back to you and talk about arranging something because uh, yeah, I was part of the training as well. It went really well. people were engaged, people definitely learned a ton. And I think that those individuals that took the training, were surprised by what they didn't know Mm. you don't know what you don't know until you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there were moments in the training where especially with a virtual training sometimes it's kind of hard to read um you don't have necessarily the same in the moment interaction as you do face to face but you know, there was moments that it was like, is it crickets or are people just really absorbing and reflecting and, and taking it all in and the feedback that came, um, you know, at the end of each day and, and at the end was that there was just so much yeah. real learning that was happening, which I think is sad, but excellent, right? You oh, hope yeah. folks that are going in to do this type of work have... Uh, a really good knowledge and it's awesome that they participated to you know be as prepared as they can be to for these new roles that are going to be so important for students um but there was a lot of aha moments yeah there was twofold that like neil squire is a team player and a collaborator and we hope to continue to own that AT specialization role to come in when there is a question about whether tech could be a support or solution for a student. And I think it showed also just the knowledge um, and skill level that we have, you know, as a team across the province and across the Atlantic.
0: Yeah, no, it was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was was a real joy to participate in that. And I'm sure we're going to continue to do that and maybe even uh, adjust and pivot the training for, for adult learners. I kind of already have that in my head as a potential on the horizon. So. Yeah, so thanks so much for sharing all your all your thoughts and experiences. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing about all that stuff. And like I said, you've now you've excited me. Now I want to go to see uh, You know, March March of next year sounds perfect. I can't wait to get get warm and uh, go on the beach of Anaheim and and oh, and also learn about technology. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so thanks again, Aaron, and I appreciate your time. We'll be chatting.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure, Seaver. Thanks for having me on again. It was fun and uh, we'll stay in touch. We'll do it again, hopefully.
0: Okay. Perfect.
1: Okay. Bye. Okay.
0: Bye.